Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I would like to introduce to you a good friend of mine and a longtime friend of mine, especially the ranch, because you predate me at the ranch. I do. Um, I always like to introduce Nate because this is the only time I get to be taller than him is from this stage. But everybody, all the way from North Carolina, our friend Nate, can we welcome him, please? Hello. So a long time ago, back in like, I don't know, 2014 or something, how many of you, uh, you were kind of young. Anyways, um, that's when they first brought me here to the ranch and they were having some trouble with like getting middle school only week speakers. And I think it's because people are weird, not you, them, the speakers. Because they're like, oh, I feel like I'm talking over their head, or uh, they're too uh, crazy and rambunctious. So they had to bring in somebody who already has ADHD, LMNOP, what? Anyway, so um, they brought me in, and then they kept doing middle school only week every year. But honestly, if I could go back and redo a time, I would redo middle school, uh, because I love middle schoolers. But I was like a jerk in middle school, so if I could redo it, it might be better this time around. Uh, But I kind of think like a seventh grader, a perpetual seventh grader is kind of stuck there. Uh, so I've been married for like 20 years, a little over 20 years now, to the same lady. That's pretty cool, right? Uh, her name's Debbie. And yes, yes, she's in love of my life. If she ever leaves me, I told her to pack two bags because I'm going too. And then um, I've got a 17-year-old boy. He just turned 17 on Friday. He's going to be a senior this year in high school. And uh, he's kind of tall as well. If you can't tell how tall I am from there, it's five foot 19. And um, our four foot, four foot 31, I don't know how good you are at math. You'll figure it out later. And some of you will still get the answer wrong. And then my, uh, my daughter is getting ready to turn 15 in September. And then I've got, and I'll show pictures of him another day in here. Uh, I've got an almost two-year-old boy. He turns two in August. So he's like the cutest thing ever. So my kids are named Luke, Leia, and Ezra, all right? So Ezra's from Star Wars Rebels. Yes, I named them out their Star Wars characters. Yes, I know some of you are thinking, they brought in a guy to talk about Jesus who kind of looks like Jesus. Somebody told me that earlier when I was coming in. They're like, you kind of look like Jesus. I was like, I didn't mean to. I, I wouldn't mind acting like Jesus. I mean, because he was awesome and perfect. But uh, I, I look this way on purpose because I go to Star Wars conventions and dress as a Jedi. So I could have come in in my robes and been like, you love camp. You lo- and you're like, we love camp. That would have been cool. Um, so I am from North Carolina. And when I say I'm from North Carolina, I grew up in Virginia. So I don't have the North Carolina accent or the Virginia accent. Uh, I don't know where my accent went. I must have dropped it at some point and, or just didn't pick it up because I was too ADD to pick up an accent. They're like, we're going to learn our accent today. Like, I can't pay attention. So um, one of my first jobs, well, I say first like adult jobs, I worked waterproofing basements. That sounds so interesting. You should probably hear about it for the rest of the hour. Just kidding. It's not really an hour. <laughs> You're like, he's going to talk for an hour? Ooh, that would be bad. Are we trying to get somebody really quietly? She's trying to make sure nobody notices they're talking in the front, but everyone notices they're talking in the front. And now you can't stop smiling. And that's messed up. What's your name again? Katie, Pe- you were up here earlier. She's one of the first day people. Okay, don't mind that. Okay. Like I said, I get really distracted. So unless you have explosive diarrhea or something, try to stay seated because I'll be like, where are we going? You know, anyways. Um, so I worked at this job waterproofing basements and it rained all summer one summer. So like all the basements 
could not be dug out or they would collapse. We had to dig around them and stuff. So my boss didn't want me to quit. So he hired me to go out to his house. He lived in a Civil War era house. They actually found Confederate currency, like, like not currency, but like the coins and stuff in the, uh, in the little fireplace. What do you call the mortar joints in the fireplace? He's really old and there was an old mill on his property and he loved animals. And so he wanted me for several weeks during the summer <coughs> There's no awkward way to cough when you have a microphone strapped to your face. I should just let you enjoy it while I clear my throat. Um, so he wanted me to feed the animals and take care of them. He had chickens. He had this uh, horse named Jake. He had a donkey named Jenny that was evil. I'll tell you more about her in a second. And then uh, several dogs. And one dog had had surgery and like lower back surgery. And to let the dog go outside, I had to put the strap thing around her and lift her back legs because they didn't work anymore and just lower her when I thought she had sniffed enough so she could go poo, and then like lift her back up and let her front walk to the house. It was sad. It was sad. And some of you are thinking, that you should just put the dog out of its misery. That means you're from North Carolina, and you just moved here, and everybody else is like, that was wonderful that he paid for that surgery. I love animals. So you're somewhere in between there probably. And uh, unless you're from another country, and you're like, I bet that dog tasted nice. Anyway, so there are, there's a couple countries like that. And uh, oh my gosh, so I was in, um, this is a rabbit trail for a second. It's actually a lava trail. There's an animal called L-A-B-B-A. It's a lava, it's native to Guyana, South America. And I was there last week on a missions trip. And uh, when I went in March to the preliminary missions trip, they brought this lava to me. It looks like, I wish I had a picture because I didn't think of it until just now. It looks like it has a squirrel's head and an anteater's body. And then like the markings of a deer, like a doe, like a female deer, you know, anyway, so like, like the little dots and the little stripe, it's really cute, it was like nursing on our finger back in March, this time when I went, we got to eat one, and it was really, it tasted the most like steak that a rodent can taste, anyways, it's a, uh, I was, some of the women on our team didn't eat it because they remembered petting it, and I was like, oh my goodness, why was I petting it, I should have taken a bite, anyway, so, um, <laughs> I'm sorry if that offends you, uh, if you're like, I cannot believe it. Okay, so let me get back on track. What were we talking about? Waterproofing basements, the dog, the, yeah. Anyways, the donkey. All right, we'll get to the donkey in a second. So one thing he wanted me to do was feed the animals. The other thing he wanted me to do was to move a bunch of stuff out of a building. Let's see if we can see that building on the screen. It's the next slide. I'm pretty sure it is. If it's not a Bible verse, it's a slide with a picture. That's it. Okay, so this, I'll go up here. This is Kelso Mill. It's on Kelso Mill Road and whatever other road that is, I can't remember, it was a long time ago. Um, but on this side of the mill, you can see like a red barn with a white roof, you see that? All right, so that lean-to coming off of it, the shorter roof wasn't there yet. That barn was falling over, like it had a really bad foundation. It is just basically, the people who built that barn did not build that mill. That mill had like this giant cornerstone in the corner, a bunch of other things that they built around it, and it was, it was like, like 150, 200 years old, whatever. The barn, not so much. The barn was about to fall over. So he's like, okay, before I come back in a couple weeks, feed my animals and take everything out of the barn and put it in the mill. Because we were going to shore up the barn, like get it square again, because it was like the leaning barn of Pisa. And we're going to like shore it up and then add that lean-to to make it square so it will just stay there, right? So I go into that barn and it's in that fence right there, that little fenced area where Jake, the horse is, and Jenny the donkey, and Jenny's not my favorite donkey. As a matter of fact, I don't really trust donkeys because of Jenny. She always tried to bite me, 
she would like, I mean, she would come up behind you and like start, if she missed you, she just got part of your shirt, but then she wouldn't let you get away. And I just didn't like her very much. She was a mean donkey. Um, Jenny is a female donkey, by the way. That's the name for a female donkey is a Jenny. He didn't even give her a good name. So she's a Jenny. And one time I saw Jenny and Jake eating right in close proximity to each other, right? And so Jake's just leaning down like a horse does, eating his grass or hay or whatever the green stuff is that's growing up. And Jenny just looks back at Jake while I'm weed-eating on the other side of the fence. And just hauls off with both back legs and kicks him in the face. Like, what a, what a punk. Anyway, so like, I could hear it like, crack, you know. And Jake comes up, hits Jenny in the back with both hooves, and I've never clapped so hard. You know, I was like, yeah, stupid donkey. Anyway, she goes up over the hill. Donkeys, when they're really injured, sound kind of like a goose, like a dying goose, because normally like, ah, but this is like, ah, ah, ah. so it like goes up over the hill, and she's gone. Well, this particular time, I'm, I'm trying to get everything out, so I find all these sheets of plywood, so I'm carrying like, anybody ever carry a sheet of plywood over your head? They're pretty hard to do, all right? So I'm carrying some of those, the, the half inch aren't that bad, but he had some three quarter inch too, like you put down for flooring, so I'm carrying these things, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm taking them over, I'm keeping an eye on the pasture. There's a hill, like, up, oh, you can't tell. Oh, you can tell in the second picture. See that hill behind the mill? Anyways, um, she's over there somewhere, and I'm trying to avoid her. And I'm carrying these back and forth, and I'm putting them inside the barn. And then finally, I get to this old piano that's in the barn, like an old piano, like ivory. That's illegal, like ivory keys, not like plated, like solid, like from a tusk of an elephant. And I'm like... I mean, it, it wasn't even in tune, but if you went like this, it went, no, I'm just kidding. No. Oh, that's an elephant joke. Anyways, um, so I'm, I'm going to try to get this over there, and it's kind of muddy, kind of like everything right now. And so I know if I start pushing this big, heavy piano that's got carvings in it, it's got two lions, one on each side. If I start pushing this across here, it's just going to get stuck in the mud. And the more I push, the bigger the mud pile in front of it, like a, like a snow plow, but for mud. And so I, start go, I had to go back in and get some more of the plywood I'd already taken in. I laid the plywood on the ground because there's a slight, you can't tell in the picture there, but ah, this area right here, there's a, where the barn is, is like way over here. It looks really close there, but it's over here. And there's a slight incline up to the door in the backside of the barn. So I lay all this wood down, and I've got to push this piano at a slightly uphill angle. And I'm pushing this thing. And you might think, oh, you can push it. You're a big dude. I wasn't a big dude at the time. So I'm, I'm six foot seven. I just ruined the math for you. But six foot seven, and I'm, I weigh 250 pounds right now while you're looking at me. At the time, I was six foot seven, and I weighed about 190 pounds. So if you take 60 pounds off of me, I look like, if I had had a hairdo like this at the time, I would have just looked like a mop. Anyways, so I'm trying to push this piano and I get it on the plywood, and I start pushing it across there and everything. And I must be like a, half, a sheet and a half, eight feet, and yeah, that's 12 feet, about 12 feet across there, when all of a sudden I look, and Jenny's just standing there. I never heard her walk up. I didn't see her walk up. All of a sudden, what is that noise? Did you guys hear that? It's probably the microphone trapped in my beard. Anyways, was that what it was? The microphone trapped in my beard. My beard's like... <laughs> Anyways, so I look, and Jenny's just standing right in front of me. She looks like, like a you know, donkey's head kind of looks like a, 
bowling ball pin upside down. Have you ever noticed? And then they've just got the ears there, but she's just kind of doing this, just looking straight at me. And I'm like, go on, Jenny, go on, go on, because I'm pushing the piano. It's not like I can let go and lead her away. She's just standing there staring at me. I'm like, go on, go on, Jenny. I'm trying not to like, look away from her because I don't want her to turn around and kick me or anything. And so she, I, I push a little bit. I look. She was staring at me like this, and then I look again, and she's like this. I push it a little bit more. I look again. I'm like, okay, I know what's going on here. I was like, go, get. And she's backing up closer to me, but she's still kind of at an angle. So I just kind of smack her on the behind real quick. I was like, get. She turns back around and goes. I'm like, oh my gosh. If she kicks me and a piano rolls over me, it's going to be a couple weeks before anybody even knows I'm here. So I start pushing it again. This time she's getting braver and she's looking dead at me. I'm not looking away because I know what's going to happen. I'm like pushing blind here. I might accidentally go off the end of the plywood or something and she's just doing this. And I'm really worried now that I'm not going to be able to reach her, all right? So I push my, put my hand against this piano and reach out as much as I can to try to smack her in the behind. And I'm going to hit her hard this time because I need her to go. And I missed. And as I missed and kind of came back towards the piano because I thought I was going to lose it, she kicks with both feet. And I can feel the wind. Feel the wind. I didn't have a shirt on. And I was, you know, like, I was, I was like a xylophone back then. Anyway, so I like push up against this. I can feel the wind of her legs. And when they go back down, I can't get back with my hand. And I just take my leg and animal rights people just chill for a second. It had to be done. And just kicked her in the backside as hard as I could. I'm so glad I have my Crocs in sport mode or that would have hit you in the face. You know, like, I, I flipped it back just a little while ago just in case I got crazy. And the donkey just goes, up that hill right there. She's on the other side. And now I'm in like, oh, thank you, Lord mode. But also like she might be coming back. So I'm just like double timing on this piano, just trying to get it up there. And I look up on the top of the hill and over the hill, there's the upside down bowling pin, just the head looking over like she's just sizing me up. I'm like, oh, oh. ever Jesus take the wheel? Remember that song? Jesus, take this piano. Like Jesus, kill the donkey, something. Jesus, do something. Just a heart attack. Just, yeah. She, he didn't, he didn't do it. He loves donkeys too. And she starts running down. And if she had to ran straight at me, I would be dead right now. I'm not telling you the story. But she zigzagged like she was like trying not to fall down the hill. She's like, I pushed the piano in the last little bit. And as she's coming at the door, I slide it shut. I was scared to death. When I told my boss about it a couple weeks later, what had happened, I left out the part about kicking her, by the way, because uh, he was an animal lover. I mean, if he would keep a dog around and pay whatever thousands of dollars he did for the surgery, surely he would bury me on his property somewhere and nobody would ever find me. So like, I'm like, okay, so here's what happened with your donkey. She's evil, all right? And this is what happened, and she tried to kill me and everything. He's like, oh, she was probably just playing with you. And he's, like, he's totally oblivious. And I'm like, this is your fault for getting a mean donkey. It, and he said... It's actually not my fault or your fault or Jenny's fault. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we could trace this back if we knew the guy's name. 
to the guy who built that barn. Had he built it the right way in the first place, you wouldn't be emptying it out, and you wouldn't have been on this side of the fence at all. I was like, yeah, that's right. Let's kill him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was like, who is, who is this? I mean, like, I don't know. He lived there before my boss Rick had moved in and everything. We don't know who did that, but it really got me thinking. We're moving something out of, a, out of one building that just somebody built horribly. And the other building that had been built right in the first place was so important. My next job after that, I worked construction. And I knew I had to learn about solid foundations. I knew how you start something is very, very important. For instance, most people, now we had fajitas tonight, but had we had hard shell tacos, most people set that bad boy up wrong. They're always like, I'm like putting my meat on the taco, and then I get like way down here, and then there's cheese. Like, why is the cheese at the end of all this? Why am I putting cold cheese on the top of this after the meat's cooling down and everything? Now, where you need to put the, this is going to be real life-saving for you right here. Put the cheese on the hard shell taco first. Then the meat melts it. Then when it inevitably breaks the first time you pick it up, it holds together. Or better yet, take some queso and smear it on that bad boy and then stick that inside the soft taco shell. And then, is that a gordita or something? Anyway, so that's even better. But I don't know why I'm talking about tacos for a second. <laughs> totally, that's the ADD part. Mm, tacos, what were we talking about? Foundations, good. Good foundation for tacos. I was going back to what were we talking about eating? Dogs. Anyway, so no, no, that's not it. Yeah, foundations. If you start building something wrong in the first place, it's going to end up being worse when you keep building on that foundation. And this week... This week, the whole theme is this kingdom tapestry thing. You see it in the little corner there where it says kingdom tapestry? A tapestry is not something that you probably have hanging in your room. It's probably, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, a tapestry is probably not something that's like in your school. I mean, maybe you have that, that the booster club may have taken all the t-shirts from the past few years and made a quilt out of it. And there it is in your locker room or something weird like that. But tapestries are kind of an old-timey thing, mainly made in France. Sometimes, people who start working on a tapestry later, the people who started it aren't even alive anymore by the time it finishes. So many people put work into those things. And we're going to talk more about how those are made, and you'll see videos and all kinds of creative stuff this week that RVRs put together. But a tapestry, especially the beginning, the foundation of it, it reflects an artist's mastery. So even when the artist dies... Even if they're not done, it's still going to turn out the way that he started it in the first place. It's kind of like a few years ago, I was headed to India with a team. And in the airport, I had bought these things called Rory Story Cubes. Have you guys ever seen this before? Like a little orange bag. And we had nothing to do. So like, I said, here's a story. And we gave this story, this medieval story. It's got this detail and this detail. You can't change those details. But whenever we pass to the next person... They roll a dice, and it might have sunglasses on it, or it might have something else. You have to add to the story, but you can't change the original narrative. It has to be going the same direction. And we had a whole lot of fun doing that. It probably took us like an hour. The story almost resembled nothing like it originally was, except the main design of the story was still there. It's the same thing with those tapestries. And the reason we're talking about tapestries isn't because we're hoping to recruit the next, the next group of French people to go over to France and keep the tapestry thing going. That's not why I'm talking about tapestries. It's because the way that God has designed us, 
the way that God has designed his creation is that everybody plays a part in it. And you may have come in and thought to yourself, you know what, I really don't matter or I don't think much about this. And I'll tell you something interesting. We did the same theme for a thing called Winter Meltdown here at RVR. And I was asking somebody around back when they were, there's actually somebody reading those things back there where you raise your lights up and everything. I was like, how did it go the last few weeks? And this is what I love about middle school only week, by the way. In the other weeks, people just raised their hands. Like middle schoolers are like, we got to say something about this. That's me! Anyways, um, so you guys were a lot louder. I could tell that out here. But what I noticed the, the last time in, in the winter meltdown, when I looked out and I saw people like who didn't live with both parents anymore, who had been bullied and stuff, like it really hit me. Because I know that we don't all come in like coming from a really great background necessarily, or we feel like everything's going well. There may be people who are here who have attempted suicide or thought about it, or people who are struggling and who they are and who their identity is. Like all kinds of stuff you might be struggling with, or you've been abused or bullied, and we come in and we think, Why, how, am, how am I at all important to this God you're talking about? How am I at all important in this, this tapestry you're talking about that gets woven through everybody who's ever existed? How, how could I even matter? Like, wouldn't you just forget about it, lay a good foundation, build with some good materials? Sure, but why me? How am I important to that at all? In Ephesians 2, verse 10, this is something the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people in Ephesus back in the day, and this is a, a modern day, it would be in Saudi Arabia, all right? It was called Asia Minor at the time. And he wrote this about who you are and about who I am. He says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This wasn't written originally in English, it was written in Greek. So that word handiwork, which we don't say a lot, like you don't come, like your mom didn't pick you up from kindergarten is like, and you hold up your picture and you're like, look at my handiwork. You're like, we don't say handiwork much, right? Um, the other word it can be translated into is masterpiece. That you are God's one-of-a-kind masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do some awesome things he prepared for you to do. That tells us several things. One, you're important to God. Two, you're one of a kind. Three, Jesus made you and cares about you. Two, he's got a purpose. I mean, two, one, four. A four, he's got an awesome purpose for you. There's things he prepared in advance. Like before you were born, before I worked waterproofing basements, before my parents even thought of me, before their parents were born, like way back, God thought about who Nate was and what Nate was going to accomplish in his life. And some of the things I wouldn't accomplish because sometimes I kind of choose my own way over God's way. And he thinks you're awesome. He thinks you're pretty fantastic. The ideas and the plans that God has for you are huge. The things that he wants you to do are amazing. And some of us, honestly, we might go through our whole life and miss out on that. I, I didn't accept Christ and like really turn my life over to Jesus until I was 15. And some people will say, you know, everything I went through made me who I am today. I don't think that way for me personally. Maybe you do, that's okay. I think, man, if I could have turned my life over to him one week sooner, <laughs> I would do it. One month, one year. Two years sooner would have been amazing. Because there's a couple of people that I really had to really work hard with to get them to trust me again. Two different people that I used to ridicule and bully nonstop that both told me that they thought about taking their life as a result of the way I treated them. 
If I could go back and undo that, and they didn't have to go through that pain because of me, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think of this time that you have, and some of you guys are younger than I was when I accepted Christ. This time that you have where you could make a decision to follow the one who created you and figure out who you are and what God's created you to do, how awesome that would be. Um, I've heard this for years in church because I grew up in church. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. It's totally cool if you didn't. Um, but I always heard like, like man was made in God's image. And so I had this idea in my brain because women and men are kind of, we're not shaped exactly like each other, right? Don't get all middle schooly now and be like, <laughs> but anyways, uh, we're not. So I thought maybe just men were in God's image and women were kind of like us in a way, but that's not what the Bible says at all. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 1.27, like this is the first chapter where it's talking about God creating us. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That we're all in the image of God. Male, female, doesn't matter. Like there's something about you that looks like your creator. There's something about the things that the sense of justice you have, the sense of love that you have, those types of things that are Part of, and I've seen a couple of people so far, by the way, I do see you. I see a few people raising their hand and stuff. I'm going to be here all week. So if you've got like questions, please come up and ask me those questions. But I know in a group of middle schoolers, if I take one question, we'll be here for three more hours. Because then people are like, I have eaten dog, right? So like, just, just hold on to this. I do want to talk to you about the questions you guys have. Um, here's the thing. Each person is an image bearer of God. And even though we have a sense of love and a sense of justice and everything, we don't have a perfect sense of any of the things God created us with because we're not perfect anymore. So we don't usually love people that hate us. <laughs> God does. He even loves people that hate him. We don't. Because that would be perfect love, and I don't have perfect love because I'm a human. I kind of love people that love me and love people that, you know, tolerate me at least. But if they hate me, it's really hard to be like, Oh, I love that guy. Every time I see him, he punches me in the gut, right? You don't, you don't think that way, and I don't think that way. We're in the image of God, but there's something just a little bit off, just a little bit skewed, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow. When we come in tomorrow night, we're going to talk about that little bit that has been skewed where it's messing up the tapestry of what God created us to be in the first place. So if you leave with nothing else tonight other than don't trust every donkey you come across, leave with this. God loves you, and he made you like a masterpiece. He made you in a way that nobody else is like you. And he did it on purpose because he cares about you. He loves you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for each of these middle school students, the guys and the girls. Lord, I don't know where all of them live. I assume a lot of them in Maryland. But Lord, whether they came from Virginia or Pennsylvania or they came from somewhere else or Lord, they came from a two-parent home or a one-parent home or they're raised by their grandparents or they're in a foster situation or whatever they're dealing with, God. They have someone who cares about them and who created them, who's longing to know them, to be friends with us. And Lord, as we talk tomorrow about that one thing that's holding us back from not just bearing your image perfectly, but from having a relationship with you because you're a perfect God, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts how much we are cared about. 
Thank you so much for a camp that cares about students, that would, that would not just have fun stuff set up, Lord, but that we would also hold up truth, and that people would, we would come to know the truth about ourselves and who we were created to be, God. We thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.